<laughs> hey, how are you doing? I am good. How well, are you today? I'm doing well. Welcome. I'm. Uh, it's been a busy day, I'm sure, for both of us. Yes, sir. That is correct. Cool, cool, cool. Well, thanks uh, so much for, for joining me today. Uh, as soon as I got the idea for this um, podcast, I knew that I ultimately wanted to have you as a guest because, um, I don't know, just made a lot of sense. And uh, I'm glad that you decided to join me. Uh, thank you so much for thinking of me. I was also super pumped to see that you were doing this thing. So it's mm -hmm. awesome to be a part of it. Cool. So um, who, who in the world are you? <laughs> Well, my name is Megan Hetfield. Um, I use she, her pronouns. I'm, a, you know, professionally, I'm a peer recovery support specialist and a New York State certified recovery peer advocate. Um, I'm someone who identifies as no longer having a chaotic relationship uh, with substances. And um, I am just a person living their life here in upstate New York and uh, trying to enjoy all the things here that make life a little sweeter. Well, that that's the purpose of this podcast is, is um, raising the profile of individuals who have resolved a chaotic relationship with substances. However, that manifests itself. Um, data show there's over 20 million of us who at one point or another had wrestled with our relationship with substances and no longer do. And uh, you know how we identify is 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 our business, but the fact is, many of us have gone on to uh, to thrive in this life and have fun. And 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 um, you look like you have fun. You you share your life on social media. You um, you know share your life with others. And 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 many of us have also committed our lives to helping other people to come get them some of what we got to. And that's exactly what you're doing. Yeah, um, it's true. Like when, you know, for so long, our lives revolved around, you know, substances, whether that was just to feel normal or to make something fun, more fun, or to like medicate for physical pain or emotional pain, you know, um, once we kind of change that relationship and start to notice that the substances are now becoming the issue instead of the thing that was like helping us. Um, you know, for a lot of people, including myself, it's kind of like, all right, well, now what, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and that's the tough part. Uh, we spend so much, so much of our time and energy, um, you know, like trying to just get through the day that when that's no longer the issue and life is stable, um, it's kind of like, well, who am I now? You know, and I, I absolutely went through that. Um, and for me, it took me on a journey that I'm still on and still reinventing myself and still trying to figure out. And, you know, every day I'm, I'm learning something new about myself and becoming more um, interested and in, like expanding, um, you know, my networks of, of people and, you know, the experiences that I'm having. And, um, you know, I have had many different twists and turns and, you know, versions of what I think it's fun and who I am and who I want to do it with, you know, <laughs> <laughs> right on. You raise a, a very um, important point that I believe does not get talked about enough. Why do people use drugs? Why do some people 
uh, successfully use drugs for those reasons? Why do some people have problematic use, some chaotic, and some eventually receive a diagnosis and potentially treatment? Um, so a great segue, how did we meet? Yeah, so we met in a super amazing book club that you spearheaded, and I was super grateful uh, that you pulled us in to have these brave conversations about Carl Hart's book, uh, Drug Use for Grownups. And as someone who considers myself a harm reductionist and somebody that is 100% behind you know, ending the racist war on drugs and uh, having sensible drug policies in America, I was really excited to dive into that book and having like other folks to kind of digest it with. And, um, you know, like, you know, that notion of just remaining curious and having an open mind towards uh, someone else's experiences. Uh, We were able to do that in this group and it was a really safe space and and just an awesome way to connect uh, with other folks who were also trying to learn about this topic. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really grateful that you reached out when I posted about that, um, I saw the book was coming out and I knew that we must read it and that a diverse group of individuals must read it. But uh, I think particularly um, folks like you you and I, who are, I think maybe cut a bit from the same cloth in, in how we came up through resolving our chaotic drug issue and, and, and how we integrated ourselves into systems of care and then came to understand that these systems might need a little shaking up and people within these systems had internal biases that ought to be explored and transformation was needed so badly. Yeah. So for me, um, every single time I was approached about my substance use, uh, it was, you know, you, you have a disease, you're an addict, there's no cure. Uh, The only thing you can do is embrace total abstinence for the rest of your life or, you know, X, Y, and Z is going to happen to you and it ain't going to be good. Um, And being that the first time that happened to me, I was 18 years old Mm. uh, and just a kid who was self-medicating for all sorts of reasons, you know, trauma, um, physical pain, you know, suicidal ideation, depression, you name it. I was like the definition of an angsty teenager who was just trying to survive. And, um, you know, when we're told that, it's so black and white and it doesn't honor our autonomy or there's no curiosity about the why around our substance use. And the fact that we're just told like, you know, right away, like, this is who you are. We don't care what you say, drugs are bad. You need to stop them or else. That is really just such a limiting notion that cuts off so many opportunities for people to have their own journeys of, of, figuring out what substance use means to them, if, if they are able to do it. Um, and, you know, for an 18 year old kid, like to tell that kid, like, you're never going to do drugs or drink ever again. I mean, I wasn't even <laughs> legally allowed to drink. And I, you know, so that, that notion doesn't appeal to most people. And to be honest, like, since I've been working as a peer, um, I have yet to encounter someone whose initial reaction to this conversation is, oh yeah, abstinence. That's what I want. You know, I, I want to be in 12 step. I want to go to rehab. I want to embrace total absence forever. Like the mo- the more intuitive thing seemingly, because the thing I heard the most often, and I don't know if, if this is the same for you is people saying like, yeah, I'm having a really big problem with this certain substance. And I think maybe I need to abstain or cut back. 
you know, that's most people's initial reaction. Um, a lot of folks don't initially have the desire uh, to be in a so-called like recovery community or to give up everything forever. Uh, they, they more are looking to sort of examine their relationship with substances. And that was not, never offered to me. Uh, mm -hmm. It was just abstinence or else. Indeed, indeed. My uh, interaction with uh, intervention was also at the age of 18. And um, there was a singular focus on the substance and the use of that substance. And why do you use this substance chaotically? Um, and, and that was the focus. And, and there was um, an overlooking uh, of my childhood trauma, of my potential co-occurring mental disorders, of uh, you know the early, early childhood use that had led to just a, an absence of, 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 um, of coping skills and interpersonal skills. So um, right away, there was a singular focus on uh, you're, 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 you're spiritually and bodily different from your fellows, and you can never introduce this substance into your body again. I was like, hey, you know, I, I, I get that, but, you know, why? And yeah, I'm glad to see that there is a rising focus on um, not so much why the substance, but why the pain, and not so much uh, a singular focus on the, on the medical model, but uh, more uh, exploring the, the, the complexities of, of, of trauma and disconnection and um, medications and, and alternative treatments and alternative mutual aid. And that's what's appealing about what you're getting into as well is um, for many years, I know when I entered into this space, my only option was a specific 12-step peer recovery mutual aid society that I was a bit of a misfit in. Um, but now you, uh, you helped to facilitate um, a group called Harm Reduction Works. And I've attended a couple meetings and, and I find it a, a wonderful thing. There's, there's all recovery meetings as well. And, and we could just talk about, you know, whatever you want to in the mutual aid space. Yeah, oh, so exciting, Harm Reduction Works. Um, so harm reduction works is very similar in some ways to other mutual aid supports that other folks might be uh, familiar with, like 12 step, for example, in that it is a scripted meeting uh, for folks who may or may not have an issue with substances. Um, it is replicable so folks can start one in their community if they like, um, they can start one on zoom, and it's just a place where people can come as they are and get support. Uh, and not shame and not judgment and really just feel uh, like safe to talk about their relationship with substances. Um, and whether that means that they're on medications like methadone, suboxone, you know, et cetera, or whether that means they're on uh, medical cannabis or whether that means they abstinence is the best form of harm reduction for them. Mm -hmm. You know, it really just includes everyone's specific goals and it, it sort of recognizes that we're all not the same like my idea of a healthy life a happy life is going to be very different from someone else's my goals are going to be different and that doesn't mean that we can't like respectfully share space and offer compassion for each other um and one of the things that i think is the most um sort of uh, the biggest implications of the harm reduction works meeting is it's the only meeting that someone can attend where just the script alone contains information that could possibly save a life. You know, it literally spells out ways to stay safer if you are actively engaged in substance use. Like 
If you haven't used for a while, please be mindful of decreased tolerance. You know, if you're using any substance, have naloxone, know how to use it. And the most important one, never use alone. Uh, because mm. if you're alone, there's no one there that can administer naloxone, call for help, whatever's needed. So I think there was just a great need for a meeting that people could come to, um, not only to give and get support, but to learn about ways to keep each other safer, also ways to prevent, um, you know, some of the things, the harms that are caused by like using syringes, sharing syringes, and um, not taking care of yourself in other ways. This is a, a place where people can really learn a lot and not just folks that are actively using, but their family members. You know, um, the, the meetings that we host are open to anyone who is interested in learning about harm reduction for any reason. Um, we do have focus groups specifically for people who are actively using substances, but most of the meetings are open and inclusive to all people. Uh, now there's like specialty meetings, there's a BIPOC meeting, there's LGBTQ, there's a women and non-binary, there's family and friends, people in the parenting role. Uh, there's a neurodivergent meeting now. You know, there's just like so many different flavors now and ways and places for people to just feel comfortable and supported and heard. Um, and I can't tell you how many people come and share like, wow, this is the first time I've been able to share in a group that like my recovery isn't uh, based on abstinence anymore, like, or I'm using this medication that I'm not allowed to talk about in my other group. And, you know, that to me is, is just absolutely essential that folks can feel safe to, to speak their truth, no matter if it's, you know, going to be judged or shamed in other places. Absolutely. Oh man, so deeply grateful that that space is available for people and that you've been hearing that feedback affirming um, what y'all are offering. Um, so do you want to shout a little bit about what you do professionally before we get into do what you do for fun? Yeah, sure. I would love to. Um, so as I said before, I'm a peer recovery support specialist and um, I've had the absolute um, amazing opportunity to do this in many different settings, um, like hospital emergency rooms, community-based uh, actual clinics, like medication for assisted recovery clinics. Um, and now I'm doing it virtually uh, through an app platform, also through Zoom and uh, messaging called We Connect Health Management. Um, and the idea is based off of something called contingency management, which basically is like, everybody likes getting prizes. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter if you're five or 55, we all like rewards, you know, for doing a good job. And so what we do uh, as peers is help folks decide uh, what their goals are. Um, and it's not the goals I want for them. It's the goals they want for themselves. Uh, and for, for every uh, thing that they establish that's going to be helpful uh, for them when they check into that particular uh, appointment or meeting or, you know, anything that they're doing to engage their wellness, they get points towards gift cards. Uh, so they actually receive like prizes, whether it's money or a gift card in the mail uh, for reaching their own goals. And this is an evidence-based harm reduction yes. uh, strategy that is proven to work. And um, we also host like eight online recovery meetings a day, including a harm reduction works meeting, uh, all recovery meetings, which is another beautiful place. <laughs> I just came from hosting the 12 p.m all recovery meeting. It's my Thursday slot. And it's just a beautiful place where 
people from all walks of life all over the world uh, come to, to check in about their mental health, their physical health, you know, whether it's like a process um, uh, disorder, like, you know, gambling, or whether it's for substance use, it's a place where people can come to just like be themselves, get support, check in. Uh, so we host those meetings and um, also just engage with people through, through the app so that they can feel supported and work on their uh, wellness plans. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we connect rocks, absolutely. And uh, uh, connection is always uh, uh, key and uh, contingency management is evidence-supported um, support for folks and uh, showing some promise with methamphetamine uh, recovery or um, moderation as well. Uh, so um, in, in the absence of, of many medications that we were hoping to develop, maybe, I don't know. But uh, recovery then, I ask everyone who uh, is on the show, what is recovery? And we don't all agree on what it is, nor should we, but how about you, Megan? What's recovery? Uh, for me, recovery is celebrating any any small incremental change or any big change, you know, just honoring people's change process uh, and what wellness means to them individually. I like it. Celebrating incremental progress, anything at all, and what it means to them and, and what it means to you. And I, well, I, ce I celebrate your process with you and I'm gratified to be a part of it. Um, so we talk about what uh, what people do for fun. And uh, I notice you have an unusual hobby that I'm afraid <laughs> to engage in personally, although I live next to a river in the woods, and, and I, I get to see a lot of uh, things I could do. But to, uh, and you don't have to talk about mushrooms. But um, talk, what do you what do you what do you do for fun? <laughs> Yeah, um, I am obsessed with mushrooms and fungi, uh, foraging, learning about them, um, and it's it's a hobby that came, that was born out of a really dark period in my life. Uh, so when I when I entered into my my wellness process, my recovery, um, I sort of reinvented myself as this like conqueror, right? I was running marathons and then that wasn't enough. So I started training for ultra marathons and not just like a normal running thing. I mean, I'm talking about these races where you like run in the mountains till your toenails fall off and you like pay money to do this, right? <laughs> so this is a, this is a, a wild sport where you have to carry all your own nutrition and you know, and so I was doing this trail running and I also really loved like climbing mountains and all my goals around my, you know, dreams were revolved around these like physical activities, like whether it was like, you know, climbing a mountain or running super far or like hiking for days. This, these are the things that I wanted to do. And you know, it's, it's a, it's a notion that hits really well with people. It's like, you know, the traditional Phoenix rising from the ashes, like, mm. oh, you know, she was really doing awful and almost died, but look at her now she's standing on top of this mountain and, you know, yeah. and, and it, it is beautiful. Uh, I had those moments where I, I was just hit with like deep gratitude for my body and being able to do these things and the privilege to have gotten to the place I was at, that I was able to do those things. Um, and I, then I started experiencing some pain in my body, some like injuries, some chronic pain. 
Uh, and it took me to a really dark place because, you know, I started asking those questions like, well, what was it all for then? Like I changed, I made all these big changes in my life and now I can't do the things that make me happy. Like what's the point, you know? Um, and it was a really, really tough place uh, for me um, personally, just trying to figure out like, what is, what is my relationship to this to this world if I can't do the things that make me happy and I also can't do the substances that make me happy like what 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 do I do now uh so around that time a friend introduced me uh or, or invited me rather to this like retreat it was a three-day retreat at a local place here in the Catskills uh in New York State and I went and for three days I learned all about fungi mushrooms like how to forage uh, the ones that have medicinal properties, the ones that are delicious to eat. Um, I'm, I've been a vegetarian for some years. So like, I love to eat mushrooms. It's a fun thing to cook. Um, and I just fell in love. Uh, it changed my relationship with being in the woods and being outside from this like conquering thing to actually like slowing down and being able to still be outside and do what I love, but in a way that's kinder to my body and doesn't like aggravate all of my pain. Uh, and it, it's been a really rewarding experience and I become a little more obsessed as time goes on. Um, I'm actually in the process of getting my uh, wild medicinal and edible mushroom foraging license. It's like an actual license with my picture on it. That's, that's good so in cool. like- yeah, it's good in like a couple of states. So now I'm like leading mushroom walks to teach other people um, how to do this thing. And, uh, you know, there's so many things about them that I love, uh, you know, the idea of, of the mycelium network, you know, this underground network that connects all living things. Because, uh, you know, mushrooms are just the fruit, like the apple of a tree and the tree we don't see. It's just everywhere under us. And you know, every breath we take has mushroom spores in it. Uh, so anyway, I found a lot of comfort in the in, in the idea of the connection that these really amazing, uh, you know, things that are out there have and uh, the potential for the healing that comes from them and, and the medicinal quality. I love I love the idea in this age where you know, um, for some people, like uh, health is such a, a difficult thing to achieve financially that there's and also food right there's a way that if we have the right skills we can actually like go in the woods and gather our own you know medicines our own food um and it's just been a really like a great connector for me to some other really amazing uh people that have a lot to teach me about different stuff wow it's it's so meaningful and significant on so many levels um i i i, I did not realize so um, I might have to check it out for sure. I love mushrooms. Um, I fear mushrooms too. <laughs> and I think it's a healthy fear, probably just not, you know, knowing which ones are yummy and which ones, you know, are not. <laughs> it's true. that That's something that uh, takes time. And one thing to know is that you can't die or get sick from touching any mushrooms. So yeah. I encourage people to, you know, pick them up, look at them, look at the underside, you know, try to figure out what it is, so but don't ever eat it unless you have like three people to confirm that <laughs> you definitely have the right thing. <laughs> right. Let's confirm. Oh man, that is so cool. Um, I can't wait to share that with the world um, because uh, mushrooms are everywhere. And uh, and you say you say fungi is that what they're called? 
fungi, fungi, you know, tomato, tomato. Yeah. I remember my freshman biology professor giving us a mnemonic device. She says, there's no such thing as a fun guy. Uh, <laughs> I was like, wait, what? <laughs> cool. Cool, cool, cool. So um, along with uh, talking about a little bit about, you know, why we use drugs, why we... Um, stop the chaos and how uh, what our life looks like now and how exciting it is and, and what fun we have and sharing it with others. Um, on the show, we, we also kind of carry a message as well. And hopefully, you know, one day there'll be millions of listeners, which would be really sweet. Um, do you uh, do you have a message to share with folks about? Oh, for me? sure. For sure. <laughs> All right. Hit me up you're not doing it wrong. You know, um, if I could sum up my life in a nutshell, it's that I've been my own worst enemy and always judging myself and thinking that I, I'm missing something, that there's some handbook that I didn't read or something I haven't tried yet. You know, you're not doing it wrong. Like, just keep going. Um, there's love, there's connection, there's compassion. Um, we just have to find the right places to to get that from others, but also how to find it within ourselves. Um, you know, this is a difficult existence. There's a lot of stress in the world right now. There's a lot of disconnection, um, dis dis-ease, disease, uh, and all types of, um, you know, things that are happening that are just atrocious. And it's very easy to get sucked down into that. But, you know, uh, as long as we are you know, alive, as long as we are self-aware enough to uh, know that we're alive and that we are human beings that are just doing the best we can, uh, there's there's a chance to to get better, to have a better day, a better moment, you know, and there's, there's compassion out there, you know, just find your people, find where you feel safe um, and don't accept the idea that, you know, there's a wrong door. Like as long as we're just focusing on our wellness and what what that looks like for us it's not wrong oh you're not doing it wrong compassion is there find your people i think that's a splendid message and it resonated with me well megan i'm so happy that you came on board and uh and did this with me and i'm looking forward to having more conversations with you about uh you know all kinds of cool things and stuff Absolutely. I see a mushroom foraging walk in your future for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, buddy. It's been wonderful.